0: Hello everyone, this is Lou Weiss from Manufacturing Talk Radio and my buddy uh, Harry Moser from Manufacturing Initiative. There he is. Uh, And we're going to be talking uh, about uh, a lot of stuff today regarding import and export and dependence and who's who's winning and who's losing in this war that we're all involved with. So, Harry, welcome aboard.
1: Great to be back. We're doing this once a month, and it's one of the best things I do every month. I'm happy to be here with you, Lou.
0: Oh, that's great. I'll pay you extra for that.
1: (laughs) No, you should say you'll pay me twice as much. (laughs) 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 Extra would cost you at least a penny. (laughs) Well, twice as much. You know, you
0: get what you pay (laughs) for. Mm All right, Harry. Our our folks are waiting to listen to What's going on in the world, this, the way you see it?
1: Yeah, so to, to me, the, 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 the most interesting thing continues to be the, the risk of decoupling with China, the risk that uh, China, either voluntarily because they're mad at us or, or involuntarily because they've attacked Taiwan and there's a war going on over there, that US companies are gonna be cut off with everything from China, everything probably from Taiwan, maybe everything from Southeast Asia. And this could be existential, this could be a, a, end of life for many companies if they can, if they and their suppliers cannot get the, the Chinese, Taiwanese, et cetera products. So, so we, um, I, I, I saw, I, I'm collecting any information on the likelihood of that happening, because I, 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 I don't wanna be a doomsayer, but it's, it's a real possibility. Uh, I, I picked up an article you know, two days ago with a, the top one of our top military guys saying the Chinese are getting ready to invade by 2027, 2027. They want to be ready by 2027. Well, that's five years from now. You know, So if you're a company that is dependent on China, and it could happen anytime, you ought to be working really hard to be less import dependent to bring more of the work back Back to the country.
0: Well, uh, I just recently ran across a, uh, a Chinese American journalist by the name of Jordan G Chang. and uh, he he has his nose to the grindstone with regards to China, like you can't believe, and uh, it, it's it's unbelievable. If you really want to know what's going on behind the scenes uh, over in China, go to GordonGChang.com. I don't know if you know him, but you ought to look into him. I'll, I'll take a look. So, uh, so they're, they're rattling the swords, they're rattling the, uh, the, the battle drums. Is Are you really fearful that this could happen even though we owe them so much money?
1: yes uh, i i am because they, they seem dominant on re- restoring the empire <laughs> and uh and, and be, being the world dominant power we've had the advantage of being the world dominant power but we were a benign generally a benign power and and i'm not i'm not sure they would be uh, c- and so um the the, the the only data that i have so far i, I may have mentioned last month was a survey that was done in Taiwan. They asked the populace, "What's the what's the probability of war, Taiwan and China?" And seven percent said highly probable, and 21 percent said fairly probable, and then lesser amounts. But but seven percent, 21 percent chance of war, and, and and all the commerce between us and China and Taiwan stop, and may, maybe the Taiwanese have said. If they think they're going to lose that war, they're going to blow up all the semiconductor plants because they don't want China to get them. You know, the economy all worldwide would be a disaster.
0: (laughs) Well, you would think that we and others would have this smart enough uh, leaders and thought providers and so on that, you know, mutually uh, assisted destruction is an absurdity. And um, <clears throat> how could they even think about it?
1: Well, they, they China thinks believes that it's, it's restoring a uh, a runaway province, just like if we lost Florida, if Florida seceded, and then we said we're going to take Florida back, that's part of our country, and then and uh, Mexico said no. We're not going to let you take Florida back. Well, we'd be mad. <laughs> so, so, so I, I, I can understand. Sure. Yeah, I can understand why they're mad. But I, but on the other hand, we, we have been the one that has enabled their growth, their, their economic improvement, all the, the, money that pays for their military and R and D and espionage and so on. So, so you know, we've suffered because to, to allow them to get that middle class status. And and I I certainly don't want to be subservient to them, and because you know we're not trying to dominate them, so we just we don't want them to get strong enough to dominate us. So I'm Hopefully, the people behind both countries say, "Yeah, let's we're going to work this out, and it's going to be okay." But until it happens, companies ought to be prepared for the eventuality and ought to be reshoring everything they can.
0: I give them Florida.
1: You give them Florida.
0: Yeah, I don't like Florida.
1: Including my condo?
0: (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Oops, oops. (laughs) So let me ask you something. Being that we're talking China, US economy, and so on, how big is our deficit presently between uh, China and the US? I mean, how real is their um, antics about going after us when we owe them money, how much do we owe them? I'm
1: not worried. I I think they they probably hold a, a five hundred billion or a trillion dollars worth of our debt. A lot of our debt.
0: That's um, not a lot. Um, it's
1: it's a pretty lot.
0: <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, yeah. you know, but, but I mean, it's real money. You know.
1: Yeah. Well, every once in a while, they threaten to um, to sell it, and and because the implication is that it would drive down the dollar because they're buying it drove up the dollar. So they're selling, it would drive down the dollar. And I say, go to it, knock yourself out. Cause if they, if they sell it and the dollar goes down and the Chinese currency goes up, then their product won't be so cheap anymore. And we won't have a, such a big trade deficit with them. So I'd love to have them. I don't want them to sell a trillion dollars in one day, you know, yeah. they, and they don't want to either, cause they're not going to get value for it. But if they, if they spread it out over a year or two years, announce they're going to do it, I think it'd be great for the United States for them for them to do so. And I'm sure you'd be willing to buy some of those bonds and, and keep oh, the phone. Sure. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this is, this is almost like a no-no-win world scenario. Yeah. So you
1: yes, about our trade deficit. O- overall in 2021 it was 1.1 trillion. So 1.1 with trillion with a T dollars our imports were that much larger than our exports record level and with China I can't remember exactly but but I think I think our imports from China are 500 billion roughly a year with a B and our trade deficit with China is 300 or 350 billion so the 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 imports are a fifth of our imports the trade deficit is uh, a third of our total trade deficit but the right. other inter- other interesting thing on this uh, trade deficit subject is that the chinese trade def- trade surplus with the us so roughly 300 billion 400 billion dollars many years is about the same as their trade surplus with the world so another way of putting that is that china has roughly trade balance with all the other countries and a huge trade surplus with the United States. So, so I believe that they have intentionally made a policy, told their companies sell into the U.S., undercut the U.S. economy, undercut U.S. manufacturing, which will weaken their budget, weaken their military, weaken their resolve, and so that if eventually it comes to some kind of a conflict, uh, they'll be softened up for, for what happens. So, so you know, like they allow themselves to have trade deficits with Germany and maybe Japan and South Korea and all these places, but with us, huge trade surpluses.
0: You know, it's interesting to say, and, and unfortunately, I don't remember the name of the author, but there was a book written by a former CIA uh, intelligence officer. Uh, the name of the book is The 100-Year Marathon, and it talks about what China has been planning and putting uh, uh, effectuating it and putting it into the process of their strategy for the last 60, 70 years going forward for another 30, 40 years. Uh, I I read the book when I was up at Cape Cod lying on a beach, resting and relaxing, and I was freaking out. Mm -hmm. I was freaking out. It's It's scary. They know what they're doing. They're smart people. And, um, we may not have as smart of people right now,
1: yeah well they're they're very disciplined very. they're taking the long term approach the people work hard, you know the government is it, the government does they don't seem to have to do what's popular they do what's necessary to achieve their objectives that's right. a nice way to be whereas here you know all the politicians almost all the politicians are doing whatever it takes to get reelected. <laughs>
0: Some successfully, some not. <laughs> uh, that's the big political game here in this country and that's the next election. So that's uh, in my opinion, a unfortunate situation. So uh, in, in regards to uh, China and China does build actually a lot of uh, uh, materials and parts for us for our own defense industry. How's that going to work
1: out? Yeah, I I don't think we get many components for defense. We get a fair number for aviation. Okay. Okay. Commercial aviation, like Boeing. (laughs) But I I don't think there's parts, I don't think there's intentionally parts of the F-35 or the nuclear submarines coming out of China.
0: What but, about the electronics and the uh, sensors and transistors and stuff? Yeah, I,
1: I, I do hear stories once in a while about counterfeit and altered parts that military contractors obtain to save money or because they can't get the you know the original thing, and that those parts may have been altered by China, may have, I mean, I, I worry they've got some software in them that when they, when they send a signal out, all of our planes will fall out of the sky. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. We're, we're stupid. I mean, if, if I were the Pentagon and I found you know, that uh, Raytheon was buying stuff like that that came out of China, it, the penalties would be immense.
0: <laughs> oh, absolutely. And you know, so much for cybersecurity, buying from our adversaries. Yeah, stupid. Know. Does that have something to do with keep your enemies closer?
1: Yeah, no, that's not a good idea.
0: (laughs) Harry, you got some uh, charts and graphs for our audience uh, regarding uh, trade balances and uh, off uh, sourcing offshore. Why don't you give us a little insight into that? Pictures are always worth uh, a bazillion words. Okay, did that come up? Uh, Now it did. Yes.
1: Okay, this just to put things in perspective on on the trade, uh, the the blue, uh, chart, the blue blue bar is our imports and the, but if you adjust that to, uh, to, uh, for the fact that the us pricing is maybe 20, 30% higher than the imports, you go from two and a half trillion a year to about three, three and a quarter trillion at us price levels. And if you compare that to U.S. manufacturing production, two and a half trillion, you can see that we're importing 20 percent or so more than we're producing. Right. So, so it's a, it, you know, it, it, we're we're not self-sufficient. We're significantly dependent on on uh, imports, and, and especially and most at risk from China. But why don't I just go through all the slides now?
0: Sure, and
1: and then we won't have to bring them up again. I think I think that'll work pretty well. No problem. So here, here's another chart that Jack Kerr did for me. Jack's a, a real good guy, an Excel expert, He's, he, and he focuses on doing things for manufacturing companies. And he took different categories of products, uh, and you can see the names of the categories there at the in the bottom of the chart. And it, the red shows. For that category, how much we import, and the green shows how much we export. And you can see there's a lot more red than green. That's that's, that's the trade deficit. But the more int- but we already knew that. The more interesting thing is that when you look and say, uh, where do we have trade surpluses? So where is the green bigger than the red? Well, there's a couple that are okay, like aircraft. We know we're pretty pretty good. Used to be pretty good with Boeing at least. And uh, but but other than that, we have trade uh, surpluses primarily in agricultural commodities, corn, soybeans, you know, th- 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 things like that, oil, you know, we, we, we have now have, uh, trade surpluses and you, then you say, well, where do we have trade deficits? Well, significantly in high tech manufactured products. So uh, motor cars, uh, cell phones, computers, uh, medical things, uh, social so things, televisions, gas turbines so all kinds of high the high tech things we tend to have trade deficits and the low the tech, the thing that we have a we have a trade base or trade uh, balance here or the, the, the you know the, a trade mix that's more like what you'd expect from a developing country from from some African country that you know that, that, that it doesn't have much in the way of manufacturing doesn't have much technology but has a lot of commodities to sell and and, right. and yet we're supposed to be the arsenal of democracy so so this when you look at this and think about where the pluses and the minuses are it's it's a way it's a weak place to be it and back back after world war ii it didn't look like this we were we were strong across across the board um ne- next Talking about the trade deficit, this chart shows the uh, the trade balance, so the the the, uh, exports minus the imports uh, as a percentage of the GDP, because the GDP grows, prices change, etc., etc. And you can see it's overall it's gotten worse. You know, bigger negatives means imports more than exports, but at least the last ten years it's 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 flattened out you know, just it's got improved a little bit it's not quite as bad it stayed about flat <clears throat> and and that's primarily because we're not offshoring as much so you it used to be you know 10, 10 15 20 years ago you'd be reading every day about another factory shutting down and people moving off to china india mexico somewhere no. moving, moving the work out and, and you don't hear that very much anymore so so the rate of offshore and the rate of losing the work has dropped and the weight rate of bringing it back, the rate of reshoring has has imp- improved dramatically. So so as I've mentioned before, in 2010, we had we knew of 6,000 jobs reshored in that year and last year was 260,000 in the year. Looks like 350,000 this year. So, so we're losing less, we're bringing back more and therefore at least we're stable on the trade front. But not. Uh, but I, I want to get that back up to neutral, so our imports equal our exports. Then the, the last slide I had. You mentioned the defense um, industry having to buy things from offshore. Uh, they put out a report every year, and this is, and there's two or three versions of it. This is one that I found, and and they itemize the materials, the products, the the services, software, what have you, that they can't cannot find in the country, and they have to source offshore, and some that they have to source from adversaries, from China, from Russia, from places like that, like, like rare earth minerals is, is, is a classic example. And uh, and so they, they believe it's not a, a viable long-term condition, and I agree with them 100%. And I agree with you.
0: Yeah. Wow, that's good. I appreciate that. One of the, one of the things that, uh, just to bring it to the forefront, the, the fact that uh, foreign countries have been able to produce goods and services for us, uh, either better than or more efficient or more <clears throat> cheaper or whatever, really started during the uh, uh, the uh, Clinton era, when he came up with the globalization of America. And that's what we started making relationships overseas and, you know, we're gonna buy this from you, we're gonna buy that from you. In some cases, we invested in those countries to be able to make stuff for us. And then we just stopped making them. So now we have to buy from them, puts us in this dark place where we can't get all of the goods that we used to make. Uh, You know, we don't need horseshoes anymore, but we do need lots of forgings. (laughs) <laughs> um the, the the part this all started in the 1990s
1: well he, i think even before the, w- w- uh, okay. i agree with what you said but w- what i see is happening may- maybe since the second world war
0: oh it was of doubt.
1: yeah and and the uh is that the u.s wanted to be the the good wanted to help the world become everything it could be wanted to be the 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 champion of democracy and they'd find some, some poor, struggling country, and, and say, and the country was, "Hey, you want us to do your go your way instead of the Russians' way? You got to, you got to help us." So, so, we'd give them money. We'd open our market to them, help them develop an industry at the expense of our own industry, because we give them the most favored nation status with no duties on their product, because that helped them get middle class, get democracy, get what, and that, that all that's good. But, and if you did that once it would be okay, but if you do it a hundred times, then you've knocked out a hundred industries in the United States. And that's why we have all the, all the supply chain gaps. And so, so uh, when we were so strong after world war II, maybe it was the right thing to do, but 20 years ago, 30, we, we should have stopped it. No more special deals. We'd go back. take a lot of those old deals change them, charge them as much for duty as they charge us. You know, right. e- equal handed because Mama just is not doesn't rich anymore. <laughs>
0: the, the The part that bothers me about all this tariff stuff is that uh, the the tariffs in this country on foreign goods, particularly out of China, is not paid to not paid to the U.S. from China. It's paid from the importers in the U.S. that pay the U.S. government the tariff. That's so, right. So why don't we do, why don't we have um, uh, uh, quotas, why don't we create something that puts the burden on the foreign country, in this case we're talking mostly about China, instead of putting the problem on the American uh, manufacturer, the American consumer, and now uh, uh, inflation is at Mm 9.1 and they go higher. Uh, we may wind up seeing a recession, maybe. Uh, we did this. Yeah,
1: although let me say, functionally, I don't think it makes much difference. I think if if right now the U.S. importer pay, pay, pays the duty, and and if if you're buying something for hundred and you pay five five percent duty, that's hundred and five, and then you sell it. Okay. Whereas if if instead if China had to pay the duty and sold it to the U.S. importer for 105 the the U.S. importer would be in exactly the same economic condition. So I don't think it's a question of of who pays pays it. To to me, the question is, our average duty on China is about 2%, excluding the Section 301 tariffs. Our average duty on China is about 2%, and they have regular duties of that probably averaged four or 5% on us. And in addition, they have a value added tax of 14%. So their stuff coming here, we hit with maybe two, and our stuff going there gets hit with 19. <laughs> I,
0: I, guess, I guess the point that I'm looking at being uh, uh, a steel producer myself in my real life, uh, when I'm not wearing the yellow jacket, the real tariff is around 30%. So it's not five percent as a small number; it's thirty percent that our companies, our steel companies, have to uh, shell out.
1: You're talking because because of the steel and aluminum tariffs that Trump put in. That's correct. Yeah, I, I'm I'm I was going back to just the the basic tariffs prior to Trump.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. yeah I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff prior to Trump, but I, I, we don't talk politics here. <laughs> okay, so,
1: pri- prior, prior to 2016.
0: Right. <laughs> so uh, what what else are you looking at in regards to uh, uh, the situation that we're all existing in right now? Um, well,
1: what, talk- one of the things. One of the things Good. that's hot right now is this CHIPS Act. Yeah. You've heard about the CHIPS Act, which is, which is just passing. It was, it's been struggling for a year to get it passed, and, and it was held up because the Democrats and Republicans couldn't agree. The Democrats had, had added in a bunch of unrelated th- items that they wanted to get passed, and the Republicans said no, and, and, and eventually a lot of that got pulled out. And so it's now primarily just a CHIPS thing, which is going to come up with, Something like 54 billion dollars, most, most of which will go to subsidized chip foundries. Some of which is for R&D and universities. And this is a feeding frenzy on all the money that's going to be going to be put out for everybody. And, and overall, I think that's a good thing. And it, and it looks like it's going to pass. Uh, probably maybe this week, total pass, and then Biden will sign it and uh and, going, and it's, it's the right thing to do I and mean, chips are just too important for technology not not to do it but as, as i think i mentioned last time the um if you if you just build dozens of chip foundries here and we make massive amounts of chips
0: i'm
1: i'm sure there's going to be excess chip capacity in the future because every country now every big country is building chip and, foundries
0: They're not too far into the future either.
1: Yeah, it could be in six months, but certainly in five years when these plants are all built, there's going to be, some of them are going to go bankrupt, I think.
0: Uh, Not not only that, but the chips that they're making today, uh, are they have like 200,000 transistors on a chip. Yep. So you don't even need as many chips as many, yeah. as, as before. But um, there is
1: there is increasing need for them in the EVs and uh, you know absolutely. electric pencil sharpeners. You know,
0: yeah. But, yeah. But, but
1: but the point I wanted to make is my fear is that there'll be too much capacity. Prices will come way down. Our chips, it's generally agreed, our, our manufacturing cost of the chips is going to be twenty, thirty percent higher than other country than China. Taiwan labor rates, et cetera, and and then we will not since we do not assemble very much in the way of electronic product. We don't make servers. We don't make cell phones. We don't make electronic medical devices to speak of. You know, all all these you know, 5G systems, et cetera, we're going to have to ha- get China to buy our expensive chips to produce. All that electronic stuff and ship it back to us and that's not a good system either right? yeah, so true. so 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 we say that if you're going to subsidize all the chip foundries, then we should level the playing field get the dollar down have the skilled workforce we need and and make it so companies decide to make the infotainment systems and the electronic medical devices and the servers here and therefore there'll be a, a local market for the chips
0: is it not uh occurring now where uh chip manufacturers are beginning to be built here in the us
1: well the foundries are being built here yes but but the assembly of the chips into into printed circuit boards and into servers and into you know uh, fancy electronic systems for medical isn't still isn't happening here especially it's it's happening but not as fast as i'd like right I, I did see that the ipc which is the printed circuit board you know like association they they are appealing to the government to subsidize the production of printed circuit boards here in the country <laughs> so everybody's going to want to do that yeah and, and, and we say you can't afford to subsidize everybody instead you should change in, instead of helping everybody push their way up the hill you should build a path around the hill so you, so they can all get along on their own that's my that's
0: my interesting thought
1: yeah <laughs> what
0: what kind of political party do we need to make all that happen
1: uh, we'll, we'll work on that so oh, n- okay. another thing I, I wanted to get in we, we talked a bit about the critical materials you know what, what are the critical materials that we need and 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 it's obvious that chips and computers and and rare earth minerals and things like that are important, but you also need a broad range of goods to support the critical material. So you go back to World War II, and we converted auto factories to make tanks. And it, and you can never have enough tank factories, you have to have other factories that you can convert and machine tools that you can use to make the things that you want to make during the war. And so as, as an example, my dad, his whole career worked at Singer song Machine in Elizabeth, New Jersey, and during the second world war, he was there making bomb sites to make bomb bombing more accurate. Okay. And they used the, the machines, the, the, you know, the heat treating, the, everything else there at the Singer factory to be able to produce that. So, so if you don't have this broad range of manufacturing capability, when you need to start making all high volumes of all kinds of stuff that you need for the conflict, or because you can't get product out of the other country, you're screwed. And so, so we believe it's necessary to to have that broad range of industrial
0: competence. It's called protect protectus thyasis into the future. Okay, <laughs> we do need to protect ourselves, and we need to make sure that we've got resources, and that we have food, and we have all the things that we need that we seemingly right now, as a result of COVID, the war in Ukraine and so on, that we're really negatively being impacted on all the things that you just spoke of. Yeah. So Harry, it's always a pleasure. Any parting words for us uh, for our final moments?
1: Yeah, I, I like to say that the, uh, <clears throat> there's the, there's certainly a risk of being so dependent as we are. and. You know, short term, it's everybody has experienced the supply chain disruptions due to COVID, dock strikes, all that kind of thing. But longer term, it's this it's this major risk of decoupling with China or or, or the, the Russia, if that got worse and, and more of Europe became not available. And so the, people let's say businesses, manufacturers, branded products have to think about that long-term risk exposure and take the actions that will get them uh, safe, get them to a reliable future.
0: Very well said, and it's a pleasure, as every month. And I thank you for your intent, your insight, and your intellectual grasp of what's going on, that uh, (laughs) everyone should take heed. Uh, We are all in some level of trouble, uh i don't want to overstate that but keep watching as to what's going on in the world Mary, see everybody
1: here again in a month look forward to okay. it Luke. always you. a pleasure thank
0: and you. and everyone uh i just want to make sure that you're aware that we are on uh every tuesday but we're on demand we've got 700 shows um on our uh on our platform we've got uh, 300 videos including uh harry uh so take take a listen we're all about manufacturing domestic international technology oil gas whatever whatever the 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 meal of the day is we got so thank you very much harry thank you for everyone listening i appreciate it thank you very much and we'll see you next week Bye bye